Log Talk Radio. All right, this is Thad, and welcome back to Shades of Blue Soccer Show. We've uh, been off the air for a while in the off season, but we hope to be back on a much more regular basis at this point. Uh, Steve, are you on? I'm on. How have you been, sir? Yeah, it's been an interesting day, but uh, I'm ready for the season to start, that's for sure. Uh, You're cutting out badly there, dude. Is that better there? Uh, barely. Okay. Um, let me see if I can get something better on right here. How's that? Is that better then? Well, let's try that. That makes it even better. That is that is fine right there. Up until then, I couldn't really understand the word you were saying. Okay. Uh, well, I'm ready right, for the season to start. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, definitely looking forward to it. But uh, I guess we have a lot of stuff to cover from the off season, don't we? Uh, it's been an interesting one. Uh, always is, though. It seems like with this with this team, I don't recall them ever really standing pat in the off season that much. No, this one just seems a little bit different, though. And, uh, even with uh, continued departures today, which at least one of them surprised me. But um, let's. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to kind of run down. Well, I'm just going to run down all the players that have left, and then the players that have come in, and we can kind of dissect what happened there, if, you, if that's okay with you. Um, out, obviously, Brad Davis. He's retiring. Naga retired. Right. Uh, Nuno Cueo uh, just they let him go. Chance Myers. On uh, went out as free agent. Jacob Peterson went out as free agent. Uh, Ever Alvarado, he never really was much here. Um, uh, Emmanuel Appia, he was pretty much a Swope Park Ranger more than he was sporting, but he was on the roster. Connor, uh, I'm afraid to shoot Hallisey. Let's see, John Kempen, Justin, who are you, Map? Uh, Alec Khan went in the expansion draft. Uh, Olam, Lawrence Olam went in trade. And then uh, Benji Joya and Christian Valeski, who Valeski was just picked up in the offseason, but he was waived today. Right. So, that's a, a pretty long list of players going out, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and nearly as long coming in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty long list coming out. Uh, they're, uh, coming back in. Now, there were some that... Uh, you know, you kind of expected they would they would be going, and some, of course, I think um, a lot of people hope that that uh, Jake was not going to go anyplace else. But uh, he's off in, in Atlanta, and he'll he'll be good for for Atlanta United um, in terms of a, a good locker room guy, a guy who knows how to win, and can kind of maybe help tie those high price pieces together for them. Yeah, I do wonder how much he's going to get playing time with as many high. Uh, attacking high-powered, high-valued players they brought in, but I uh, haven't really dissected their roster that closely just yet. So, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, I like the guy. I hope I wish him the best. 
he'll be he'll be the guy who who leads by example in the training ground. I think in the locker room. I think you'll see minutes. I mean, he's he's a guy that you you'll they'll find ways to get him on the pitch. Um, I, I think he'll be good for them. Of all the the, the pieces that they lost, uh, I think that's the one where maybe the I hate to say you know highest value. Uh, lost because I, I think that the you know chance has got some uh, a lot of good qualities still left in him. I think Alm is is still a guy who's who can be a really serviceable player, um, and so it's um, it, it's on balance they they got younger, uh, they got quicker on the outside. Um, I think you were wanting to talk about the guys coming in, so we can move into that about the the kind of youth and speed that's coming back into this club this year. Yeah, and, and again, I'll just run down the names real quick. Uh, Tyler Pasher and uh, Adrian Zendejas, who both signed from Swell Park. Uh, Igor Julial coming back from uh, from Fluminense. Uh, Gerso Fernandez uh, from Portugal. Uh, Latif Blessing from Ghana. Christian Valeski was with the Rochester Rhinos, but is, he was one of the ones that left today. Uh, Cameron Iwasa, uh, Sacramento. In the USL, and let's see, Andrew Dykstra, who was basically picked up as an extra keeper when uh, uh, Khan was taken in the expansion draft. Uh, Ilya Sanchez, who we have high hopes for him, and I'm sure we'll talk quite a bit about him in a minute. Uh, Sudi Saad is another player that returned, and then Colton Storm was the uh, the lone draft pick that was signed out of the MLS draft for Sporting. Yes, it's a. Uh... It's a lot of off-season flux. Uh, it's interesting to see how these these guys fit in. Of course, as you said, two of these guys are coming back. Um, they've been here before. They know the system. They know how things work here uh, in Sunnyside and Igor Julial. So that's not really uh, much of a of a new kid thing. I mean, obviously they've got good players around them. Uh, Shalawi is back from loan, and so he's he's. Uh, was never off the roster, but he's he's back. Uh, EPBA, who scored the the lone goal today for the U.S. and that went over Mexico in the U20s, which was huge, uh, is back from loan as well. So got got a lot of uh, familiar faces that are also kind of you know say new kids as well. But yeah, we'll see how how guys like Sanchez and and Blessing and you know Gerso fit into the club uh, in live fire situations. I know that, you know, preseason friendlies, but once the points start counting, everything's a little bit different. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Not a lot of goals out of them in preseason. However, that could, uh, we, I think we could probably see a lot of uh, attacking power when, you know, when they get all gelled, but we didn't, did not see a lot of goals out of them. I mean, you kind of see that too, yeah, I, again, I think you know you still have uh, Dom Dwyer playing his way back in after the surgery, um, and I think they, they've kind of tooled a little better to have some uh, some relief for him uh, up top. You know, I, I, Peter Ramiz is not going to say exactly what he's going to do, but I wouldn't always you know I wouldn't be surprised sometimes to see Shallowy line up as ostensibly a winger in the set and then drift inside as sort of a more withdrawn guy making those runs. To try to take the heat off off of Dwyer, um, Peter made it clear when Gerso signed that if you're in the front line, he expects you to take a crack when when you get the chance. He's been a service guy uh, up to now, but I think he's going to be expected to at least try to uh, to do some finishing on his own. 
but I think that the impact of that offseason surgery on, on Dwyer with uh, getting that plant foot fixed, because I mean, if you're, if, if that's your off foot, that's your plant foot and, and it's hurting, well, that can take a toll on a guy over as long as he was, as he was dealing with those bone spurs. I think you know, he's still playing his way back. I think when you see him fully healthy uh, and, and good to go with, with a, with a cast around him that, compliments what he does when he's on his best i think you're gonna see the production come up pretty significantly yeah i guess one of my worries for the team is that uh it takes a few games for that uh production to start though because dom playing his way back in and getting you know a game fit getting his touch back getting his shot back um you know gerso getting used to the league uh, whoever's playing on the other side of him, uh, Shallowy or Latif Blessing or Sunni Saad, um, getting back into the, you know, whichever one of them it is or some combination there of them, getting into the groove. Um, could see the ground on the yeah, wing, could, too. Yeah. Um wonder if he, he could be like the uh, the different position every week kind of guy. He, he could very well be, yeah. Yeah, need a need a rest Benny, start Jimmy. You know, need a need a left back, start Jimmy. Need a left wing, start Jimmy. The goalkeeper, okay, then this one you maybe put uh, Dykstra in. Like I kind of anticipate yeah. that he's going to be uh, playing with with uh, Rangers keep his minutes up. But going back to, to to Dom and the goal production and the the flip side of that is the defense has got a, a lot of key guys back. So if you can, you know, say go on the road and and, and get a point or steal three with the uh, with you know, goal off a set piece or of some or something like that, they've got the defense uh, to go and if the defense holds, you go and, and steal points on the road early on while the offense is still kind of coming online. And I think that's the sporting have always kind of prided themselves on their Vermees on their defense. They could be Vermees would be really happy if they took that approach early on. We'll get the goals that, that kind of come to us early on. Get the offense kind of up and and rolling as they go, and the defense is gonna gonna kind of carry the heavy load early on. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can break this down, maybe uh, line by line, of how we think this is gonna work. Um, who would you anticipate the starting forwards to be um, on day one and maybe, you know, say two months in? Uh, okay, day one. I'm I'm still sticking with Madrano on that right wing. I mean, I'm going wire up front. I'm going uh, <clears throat> Gerso on the left side and I think Madrano on the right. Uh, just because he can – he's got such an engine. He can, he can play up top and then drop back to defend. Um, it's it's he's got uh, Seth is still making his case at left back um, to be the, that guy. So I, I think Madrana is a guy you could have up front to just run back lines off of, of themselves. So that, those are my three forwards. If I'm going, um, if I'm sitting the eleven for for DC on Saturday, those are my three guys up front. You think that's what Vermees is going to do, though? Not what you would do. I don't know. This is going to do it for me. Yeah, I would not be surprised if he put Madronda up there. I really would not be surprised if he put Madronda up front, Dwyer in the middle end, and Gerso on the left. Well, it's it would be not totally out of character for Peter, but he didn't play him there once in the preseason. He was in the he was always in the middle. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, there's there's usually one guy who's going to surprise you a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, because I remember a couple years ago he played. Um, oh, uh, the striker we brought in, DP uh, from South America. My name is Charlie Darnold Blank, but um, he was there for the for the MLS Cup and everything. But he, oh. uh, Dom, uh, took his place basically. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally drawing a blank. Uh, but like they played him as a withdrawn forward uh, slash attacking midfielder, and then in preseason. But then he never saw that spot again, except maybe for like three minutes in the regular yeah. season. So you never know with what Peter is doing. He's trying things in preseason and giving guys a chance to work in different spots and look at them. Um, well, oh, yeah, he should be back there, so you know you can very well see him up there out of the back line, you know, that, that right back thing, just as something to try out during the preseason, and see him back up front too. Yeah, that's because that's been one of the ones I was wondering if they would do that. Um, you know, because I know uh, uh, Abdul Salam was actually uh, sick slash injured for a good chunk of preseason, so that may have been why he wasn't ever starting at right back. There were, you know, it's like could have been the option of him and, and uh, Zusi. And then yeah. with him being out, Zussi was just there. So, well, you got Igor Julial as well. You know who's a right back, and then he's planned on being used as a right back. You know, he's, he's still got. Uh, you would you would hope that that a couple of years uh, of, of growth has kind of improved the defense. Uh, creativity was never the issue, and making the runs out of the back was never the issue. He was getting back to defend. I think he made some strides here. Be interesting to see what he does. Um, during the season, you know, in that right back spot. Yeah, he, I, I mean, I was a big fan of his when he was here first time, and because of what he could do going forward, and his defense was getting better throughout the year. But it doesn't seem like uh, it was better in the preseason. The what level we saw of him, it right? Like he had maybe regressed a little bit. Um, well, no, that's uh, that's kind of be the case. You know, the defense is not a highly priced commodity in, in Brazil. No. All right. So um, that, we talked a little bit about the forwards, the midfield. Uh, I'm going to go with the assumption that Benny Fellhaber is going to be attacking mid pretty much all season when he's available, uh, yep. not called up or something else. Um, and then Espinosa will be the, the box-to-box guy. But the real question yeah. will be who's demon. So uh, I think Mustafar starts there. Um, I think it's his job to hang on to, but you know it's not it's not a given. Um, and and Vermees has never want anybody's job to be a given. Uh, that's yeah. kind of you know, he likes continuity, but he doesn't like complacency. So if he gives if he starts with Mustafar out there, then you know Sony's going to have to to do. The things that he does best to to uh, to hold on to that spot, and what he does best is just your, turn up a heat map that's just basically solid red. Work like crazy. He's not a finesse guy, but just the energy to get around the the, the pitch and just disrupt the opposing offense. I think that's kind of his key. If he can do that and and, and create some some balls out of the back that find the right guys, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I would. Uh, this is where I would actually disagree with you. I think uh, Ilya Sanchez is the will be the guy. He may not be the guy on opening day, but I think he's the guy a month in. 
Um, yep. As much as he talks about being uh, Sanchez being, you know, Yuri Rosell 2.0, um, you know, a better, more experienced Yuri Rosell from when, you know, from when he arrived. Um, I think he gets that D mid spot, and it's just a time of giving him a little bit of time to, you know, adapt to the league. So I I could easily see him taking that spot over in, you know, three weeks, five weeks. Could very well be. The Vermees model is rarely to bring a guy in and make him the starter. I mean, he did – he's done more of that recently, but, you know, there are clubs where you bring in a a guy from abroad, and, yeah, he's plug-and-play. And Vermees has – always been kind of an ease him in kind of a guy. So maybe if, if that happens and Sanchez is, is the guy, maybe that happens around the summer window. Um, you just have where he's had time to, to integrate in, to, to get uh, everything the, the way that Vermeer wants it, and then to kind of get his minutes up and maybe get him in the 11. We could, but then again, he could be a guy that, that just goes out there, takes over a spot, and, and uh, runs with it. I, right now I'm going with, with history, and that's the adjustment period. Well, I'm giving the adjustment period, but I'm making it more of a month because he's had preseason where a lot of those guys in the past he brought in in the summer window, and they didn't have an adjustment period. They basically had to get up to speed, get fit, uh, learn the team, learn the league, all while it was going on, where uh, Ilya has had a chance to come in preseason get up to speed with everybody while everybody else was getting up to speed. Um, and considering that he always talks about how the the model that Barca plays actually is very similar to what sporting plays, even though people don't realize it a lot of times, that he can he can basically step in and it not miss a beat too much. So yeah. we're going to disagree it, on that one. It could happen. Um, we'll see what happens on Saturday and the Saturday <laughs> after that. Yeah, no, no. Again, I'm not predicting that he will definitely start right away, but I think he will be within a month or so. Who could be the guy within a month? Okay, we'll see. Yeah, well, it could be sooner, but I would I would say within a month. Okay, month is your month um, is your is your out is your uh, your point. Okay, uh, I would yeah, say we'll two. See, is... I'll, well, I'll say four to five weeks, but I'll say I'll say four to five weeks, but I think he'll be starting, uh, barring injury or something else weird, in that time. All right, we will see what happens then. All right, uh, the back line. Uh, I, like think if, I still go ahead. I was going to say it looks like you know if Madrana is being tried out at midfield or wing, is he going to go back and knock Seth back off the left back spot, or uh, is Seth got that spot now? I'm going to I'm going to start the season with Seth at left back. Um, he's just a, a hard guy to dislodge. I mean, everybody, I think, and I kind of did too. I'll admit, I kind of wonder if that concussion that took him out for all that time um, a couple of years back had really kind of put an uh, early curtain on, on his time here. Um, but he's just, he's been one of those guys who's dogged and fought back. And I, I think right now on, he's got the left back spot. Does he keep the left back spot? We'll see. But I think the first, uh, first match and, you know, for the foreseeable until he loses a future, he's the guy you go with the left back. Beasler's uh, got the, the the left center back spot. I think Ike is the right right center back and right back. 
I, I would figure probably Zussi, uh to start the season. We'll see what happens from there. Yeah, no, I would uh, I would agree with that. That that's your starting lineup right there uh, for this first week or two, and then you know depending on how people play from there, um, I think Seth is going to be pushed by Pasher behind him. Not that oh, sure. uh, Pasher has the experience, but Pasher has the uh, the speed and the drive definitely for for pushing Seth. Uh, yeah, he's a, he, he's a good pickup from Rangers. Kid's got wheels for days, and and he's a coachable player. He's going to play the game that the the, the manager wants him to play. Um, because you know he, he's he's a young kid. He's he's um, wants to see the field, and he he does have the does have the speed. I think he gets uh, some experience under him. He's going to be a hard guy to dislodge down the road. Um, and it's a good it was a good pickup. I think. He's a guy who pushed Seth um, and keeps Seth sharp. And then you always have Madrana that can drop back there again also. And plus, uh, uh, Saad Abdul-Salam can slide over there because he's done that a bit too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he's played both sides. And I think uh, I think you'll see Saad Abdul-Salam on the pitch a uh, decent amount this year just because he's, you know, Peter says he's a freak of nature for a fullback. He's huge. He's good at picking people out. Um, on overlapping runs, evidenced by the assists he had last year. So I, I think you'll still see him in at right back quite a bit. Like it, it might be a kind of a situational thing, you know, where does Uzi play, depending on how the, the defense kind of gives him. So we'll uh, we'll see how that shapes up. Yeah, and in, in all of this, it gives Vermees a lot of options about how he can change things up and, you know, uh, flip guys from side to side and, uh, you know, attack attack a little bit differently, you know, even though a lot of guys are similar in different ways, um, they have a little variations on them. So, I mean, you know, uh, Zuzi and, and uh, Abdul Salam are not the same player, obviously. Um, you know, no. Julial is not the same player. Seth and Pasher on the other side are not the same player. They have some general similarities that, that about them, but they can definitely go about the game differently. So you can see, like, I think you can see Vermees maybe tailoring that to the team at times, too. But he's not always done that. He's, sometimes he just goes, okay, this, this, this is the group that won. They're the one that goes out again. So, yeah, there, no, there nothing like winning the job. You know, remember the, uh, was it 2012 when they won their first seven? And um, the uh, lineup never changed. And it didn't change into the eighth game, which was the first one they lost. Um, because if if something's working, he's not going to mess with it just for the sake of messing with it. Um, so you know they, they come out, they start winning, they start getting results. You'll see the you'll see him out there uh, again. Uh, he's not going to change unless somebody's got a knock, or is just completely messing up out there and they're winning despite that player instead of help him help it. So you know, Vermees is, is not a tinkerer if he doesn't have to. No, and uh, obviously uh, keeper Tim Malia. I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's the uh, starter day one, day forty, day seventy. Um, yeah, he's the guy. If he gets healthy, he'll he'll that's his job all year. Um, yeah, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with say Open Cup if um, they give that to Dykstra or maybe bring up uh, Zendejas from Rangers because he's been getting the minutes. We'll see about that, but I think everything else um, 
that's that's Tim's Tim's job right there. He's the number one or number twenty nine or whatever he wears. That's he's he's the guy. Yeah. Um, Dykstra, what little I saw of him in preseason did not impress me. But I mean, I know it was not the best game for Sporting on any at any point while he was in there. Um, but I don't know if he's if he's really the number two guy or really Zendejas is the number two guy and he's Dykstra is just there to sit on the bench in emergency situations. That would, and no slight to him, I think that's that's probably the case. I think that's that Dykstra is the guy that if uh, if something happens to 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 Tim, then yeah, you got Dykstra who can step in. But I don't think that uh, I don't think he's going to be the guy who's in a, any kind of a heavy rotation. I think that's why he's there to kind of be the the stopgap guy, and the Dayhaus is the is the guy they're grooming. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Let's see. We uh, missed talking about anybody. Um, I don't think we've uh, missed anybody. No, I could be wrong. You know, it's I have my well, Monday brain let's, in. Oh. Let's circle back up to the forward line for a second. Latif Blessing. <laughs> I, I mean, when we first heard his name, I thought that that was a false rumor because he just didn't seem like a Burmese guy that he would go pick up. I was wrong. Yeah. Um, well, know, lead scorer in Ghana, you know, 19, uh, tiny, um, but he did impress with how well he played in Tucson. I mean, he didn't, uh, you know, didn't, I don't think he got on the scoring or did he? Um, but he, is he a guy that can see serious minutes in MLS and survive it? Um, you know that, that's the whole thing is, is surviving. It is a physical league, um, and little guys. Well, you know, depends. Uh, I mean, you you got Javinka, who's not a big guy, and he's he's done pretty well in the league. Uh, you got uh, you know Lucho in uh, in DC, little guy who's doing really well. It depends on the player. Um, maybe it's you know you can't knock me down if you can't catch me. We'll see what happens on that front. But, you know, I, he's here for a reason. I mean, it's uh, he's, he was brought in to, to compete for minutes to, to, to get out on the pitch. So, obviously, Vermees, who, who kind of prizes that toughness, saw something in him that he thought, okay, uh, this kid's going to be tough enough for the league, even despite his size. Yeah. Well, how soon do you think he is competing for those minutes, or do you think he's competing for it right now? Uh, you know, I, I think it's it could be kind of anybody's uh, job. So maybe he is, maybe he is a guy who's gonna get the dice rolled on him early. Uh, couldn't really tell. Um, familiarity with the yeah, system, maybe for that. But uh, I, I think he will compete for minutes this year. Don't know how. Early. That's that's my question. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm saying maybe it's like a May, early June kind of a thing for him. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see him like in the 18 and come in for last 10 minutes of a game kind of thing to see how he does. Right. Um, depending, on, depending on the score, scoreline, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, and what they you know if they need to shut out a game or if they're chasing one. Um, Peter often says he doesn't just get guys playing time, but I think he lies when he says that. 
You're also talking about a guy who, for a big chunk of uh, what season was that? The, was the year they won MLS Cup? That I, remember, I don't remember how many games it was, and he didn't use all three subs. Anyway, he'd put in one or, or two, and somebody just wouldn't play. Um, so he's he's not always going to throw a guy out there just to throw a guy out there. If, some, if things are working and nobody's gassed and he can get 90 minutes out of somebody, he'll do that. Yeah, I think he's he's very much a believer in uh, if things are not going wrong, you know, I mean, you might be losing, but things are not going wrong. You know, players are playing the way they're supposed to. They're leaving them out there. You know, fans are like, we're looking for a change, and he's like, everybody's working, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Let them keep going. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's, that, that can be frustrating for fans because something's not going right. You want to see it changed. But if you're that kind of a manager who prides himself on getting guys out there who do it right and sticking with them when they're doing it right, then that's just how it's going to be. Well, and I think he looks at it a lot of times too. If you're down a goal, but everybody's playing the way they're supposed to, that may just be the, you know, unlucky bounce, the bad call, the, you know, it just went against you. It wasn't that the, you were being outplayed. You know, how many times did sporting dominate possession, dominate shots, but, you know, maybe be tied or a goal down. And he didn't want to change it because they were actually outplaying the other team. They just didn't uh, – weren't leading. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the, the argument there is, you know, if, if the guys are doing things to create opportunities, why throw somebody else out there who hasn't shown that he can create the opportunities? That's why I get that. I mean, you know, again, I can see how it's just crazy frustrating for fans. But uh, last time I heard Peter say he was going to coach you know, based on what the fans thought, you know, that never happened. So I couldn't tell you the last time. I'm pretty sure if he ever said it, it was a joke. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Um, moving on a little bit. I mean, we've um, kind of touched all the lines, but overall, how do you see boarding competing in the West? I mean, the, the West was already uh, such a strong division and, you know, our, our, lovely rivals Seattle ended up winning it all. And then, you know, the team that sporting lost to on the road, controversial decision, you know, the year before, you know, lost on the road to the eventual MLS champions. Also, how do you see sporting doing this year? Are they going to do well enough to make the playoffs do well enough to make a, um, you know, a home playoff game? Um, I what do you think they do well enough to make a home playoff game, but I, I, here's what I also think. I think everybody in in the West is chasing FC Dallas. I everybody in the West is chasing FC Dallas this year. Um, that's that's true across the board. I mean, they're they they've gotten back so many players from the team that, that pulled a, a double last year. Um, that I think that what their best the best scenario for them is to get in, get a home playoff game, avoid the play in and, and get to where maybe somebody else cleans out Dallas early in the playoffs. This happened before. Um, Cause I, I think, I think they're that good. I don't think LA is going to be as good. I really don't. Uh, <laughs> I think Seattle has a chance to be, to be good this year. I think Vancouver got a really good get at Freddie Montero. Um, Salt Lake. I don't see Salt Lake making a gigantic amount of noise. Portland's a wild card. 
uh, Colorado. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with them? I mean, they, they could have they could have another great year, or they could just fall off the table. I don't know what's going to happen there. Minnesota, they're an expansion team. They'll have some good moments. They won't uh, they won't be a huge um, thorn in, in anybody's side in terms of, of making the playoffs. But I, I think Sporting has have a chance at uh, getting getting a home playoff game uh, and, and not a one off a two leg. Um, and you know, once you get in the, in the postseason, anything can happen. We've seen that in the last couple of years. You get a flag that stays down. You see a flag that goes up. You see a you know two kicks at three posts in a shootout. You know, once you get in the playoffs, it's it's anybody's anybody's game. But I, I don't I don't think they're going to make a shield run. But I think they'll make a, a decent playoff team and could make a good playoff run. Yeah, I think they've made enough changes that it would be hard to make a run for the shield. Um, just because it's going to take a little time to gel and get everything on track to where they want to be. Uh, but if they uh, if they have if Gersos is proficient at challenging and uh, the speed that he should be, you know, taking pressure off Dom and like we've talked about already, you know, maybe blessing on the other side, Sunni, Shallowy, whoever. Um, I think that they're going to be able to counter much better than they were able to in the past where it was throw it long to Dom and, okay, now everybody has to lumber up the field. You got a couple of speedy guys out there. Now it's Dom and Gerso challenging them or Dom and Blessing or whatever. So it's, they're going to have uh, some good chances to get up there. Um, yeah, they, got, they have more wheels. Um, but all that said, I think there are two shield there are two shield candidates this year, one in the West and one in the East. Um, the East side being Toronto FC. Um, and everybody else is, is looking to get lightning in a bottle for the playoffs. That's that's my take. But I think yeah, sporting are gonna look different this year. They're gonna have the ability to get down the pitch a lot faster, uh, not depend so much on on that great through ball from Vinny to create a mismatch. It'll be one more tool in the belt, I guess you'd say, to have that great through ball from Benny, but it won't just be that. That will, uh, and that's another one of the things that will challenge sporting this year, possibly, is that Benny is back in the national team picture. Um, I know they've been trying Madrana there, and you know there's some other options, but uh, nobody is Benny on this team but Benny. Yeah, uh, and you know between the Gold Cup and World Cup qualifiers, I anticipate that. Uh, Benny will be gone for a decent chunk of the season because um, this is a uh, this is one of those years where you got both going on uh, the hex and the and the gold cup and uh, the the chance that that he's going to be gone, chance that Beasley is going to be gone, the chance that Zeusy's going to be gone uh, for significant chunks of the season, going to make the roster depth pretty important. Um, and if they can turn Madronda into that guy in the middle who can, can deliver the the, the uh, good ball, I think with, with him is just going to be teaching him positional awareness because Jimmy's got wheels for days. You know, he's he's nobody questions his speed. It's just that positioning. Uh, Matt Doyle made a, a really good observation about Benny that last uh, U.S. match of, of the. Uh, January camp against Jamaica. He said one of the things he's always doing is shoulder checking. 
knowing where he is on the pitch, moving to maybe sometimes what looks like counterintuitive spaces, but knowing where people are in those spaces so he can exploit it. Um, that's just something you, you do. And you can teach it some, for them it's innate. If, if Madranda can pick up on the positional awareness, I think he can, he can maybe make some, uh, some difference in kind of that playmaker role. But that's something that, uh, the kind of the magic ingredient for a playmaker is that shoulder check. Um, maybe with Javi Hernandez, same thing. He's always checking his shoulders, knowing where he is on the pitch. Um, and I don't really right now see anybody else on the roster who has that, that positional awareness, that, that playmaking positional awareness. So that's something that's going to be interesting. If Benny is back in the national league picture, and I think he is, uh, I think he's a guy who's, he may not be the, the guy in the hex, but he'll be the guy at the gold cup. Uh, he may be the guy at the hex um, as well. You never know because he's experienced and he's still got the ability to get the job done. But if, if he's gone, if, if Beasler has gone, and you know, zeus has gone, and they're all gone you know, at the same time you know, for the Gold Cup or staggered out for, for World Cup qualifiers, that's going to be a test of, of these young guys who are filling this, this, this team. Well, and, and I'm going to counter you just a little bit there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a test, and I'm not arguing that point, but with Zussi at right back now, quite honestly, he's going to be less missed when he goes. Saad Abdul Salam steps in, Igor Duliao steps in, um, you know, hell, Seth Snowy could step in. Um, and you're going to have a quality right back. You know what I mean? May not have the same yeah, overall experience. Go ahead, and finish. Go ahead and finish, though. Uh, but yeah, you're, just not, you're not going to lose as much because of where he's at. With Beasler, uh, you know, we, we still have to see how he plays this year, but last year or so, he wasn't quite as good as he was at his very peak. So, but if he gets called up and, you know, more power to him, I hope he does for his, you know, for his sake. Um, but the Opara and Ellis match or pairing worked pretty well in the past. And we also have Eric Palmer Brown that, you know, he, I know he's going to probably be gone to the World Cup, U20 World Cup, if they, you know, get one more result in this uh, tournament. But he, he's a guy who can come back and fill in that spot now too. So, he is. You know, that's not too much of a worry there. Uh, it's just that Benny is the only guy who there's nobody who can step in and go, hey, you know, he's uh, 90% of Benny. Not yet. Yeah, there, there, is, there, is, there is that factor. Right? You talk about a Beasler. The thing about Beasler is the same thing about Dwyer. He's been playing on, a, on an ankle full of junk for quite some time now. We haven't seen him at his best because he's not been at his healthiest. I mean, you've got bone spurs. The, especially you know, on, on the foot you drive off of, that's not conducive. You know, it's not conducive to mobility on the pitch. It's not conducive to planning to to distribute. Uh, so I want to see how he comes back from this this bone spur operation. Uh, if he can have, kind of have that rejuvenation from getting that that joint cleaned out. And we talk about Zussi at right back. The one thing that he does as, as, as a fullback uh, that I don't think Abdul Salam and and Igor Julio, same thing, is that ability to track back and close. I mean, he's he's not as fast, either one of those two, but he's a really savvy player and got in terms of tracking back and busting up uh, an attack. You know, you saw him do it for the winger or the, the midfield spot for the national team. I remember against Mexico, he made you know, an 80-yard track back to break up an attack. You see him, you've seen him do that before. 
that that's the one advantage that he's got over these younger guys at that right back spot is that ability to crack back and defuse an attack, especially if you get a team that's got a fast left winger. I'm looking right at Dominic Aduro. He's a guy who can just absolutely wreck a team down that left flank. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of hard to do that if you get a guy like Zeus, you can track back and, and, and break something up. Yeah, and, and I, won't, I won't argue that, except that I will say that when he was doing it from the, the wing spot up front, he seemed to do it at the right times. Now as the right back, he needs to do it more often, and he does seem to be sometimes missing that, like he's like a half-second hesitant to make that run. Just having watched him in preseason, uh, he and even the the one uh, one U.S. game that that I was able to see, he's he's quite often making those runs, but sometimes he was just a half second like, oh, do I need to be the one making it? Yes, that will change with the more reps he gets. I was just getting used to the you know to being in that job for the team and the, and the people around you. Um, and he's a pretty quick study, I think, on that. I think if you. If he's still at the right back spot a month from now, you won't see that hesitation. You won't see um, him being maybe a half step late to the party. Um, we can pick that up pretty quickly if that's going to be his job. And I, and I won't even argue that. I, I might I might say it's a little bit longer than a month, but um, I think he will pick it up. I just think that that's the difference with him now. Yeah, um, he's not that. He's not a normal right back. I mean. You know, if you're, when you're used to playing defense, you're used to that's my first priority, okay? And that's what you got to worry about. When you're used to playing wing, you're like, my first priority is attack. My second priority is make sure that I'm covering my, my the guy behind me. It's just that hesitation, that little bit of difference. Um, yeah. And the, not being critical of Zeus. I mean, that's he's he, a guy who can uh, essentially have three starting spots in MLS because when he was first up, he was uh, attacking – He's either attacking mid or box-to-box mid. And then uh, he got converted to a winger. And now he's being converted to a right back. So more power to that. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he can do lots of different things, that's for sure. And that, uh, I think that's the, one of the strengths of Zeus is that he can basically fill in a lot of spots and, and play it well, play it smart. You know, he may not be the best guy at it, but he can he can give you quality at it. But that's also right. probably one of the worst things about it is that he's not the quality guy you know, in a lot of those spots that other people would see. So. Well, the thing about and this again, this is a quality that Ramiz keeps talking about that he, that he prizes. He talks about professionalism. Um, you, you you have the job. Uh, maybe it's it's not the job you want, but you do the job and you learn the job and you you you. You don't uh, you don't fuss about the job. You you, you play where you're where you're put, uh, and you do the work to get up to speed at that job. And Zusi has that. Uh, he's not a guy who, who's going to, to to fuss about being thrown into the back line. I mean, uh, I remember when Convy came here. Bobby Convy came here from San Jose. He was not happy about it being used as a back end in San Jose. Um, and he made mm-hmm. that pretty clear. You're never going to get that from a guy like Graham Zusi. He's going to he's he's going to bring his lunch pail uh, and 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 stay after work to to get the the stuff down. And he's going to give you the best effort he can give, you, the most professional effort he can give you wherever you put him on the pitch. 
And, you know, that's the kind of guy you like to have out there who maybe, no, he's not the fastest guy out there. He's not the guy with the breakaway speed. He's not the guy maybe even sometimes with the, with the silkiest moves anymore. But he's the guy who, who knows the game, knows the players in the, in the league, uh, and is going to bring that, that professional attitude to wherever you put it on the pitch. All right. Um, let's see, we've talked quite a bit about Zeus and kind of we strayed a little bit from the original conversation. Um, the moves that were made today, Joya and Valeski, um, you know, the most recent uh, players to depart the roster. Um, Valeski, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm not surprised, but we didn't see much in preseason. What little we saw wasn't to me impressive. Um but Joya is actually a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought he played fairly well when we saw him. What's, um, any thoughts, comments on why, A, Joya and Vlesky were gone, and B, does that mean, are they opening up something for something else? You you hit it right the last time. I think it's a roster move, a roster clearance move, I think. I think they're maybe going to be looking for something like the, the year that uh, Tony – Diwali and I think Igor Julia actually came in pretty late that year too. Uh, to where they make a move near the start of the season with a guy that they're going to integrate over the course of the year, but they need their roster space early on. Uh, roster space in whatever cap room they can get. Um, so I'm thinking there's going to be a signing. I don't know if it's going to be. I think all, pretty much the splash signings are done. Uh, but it, they're always looking for an upgrade. Uh, so I think they're looking for a solid role player um, who's going to give them, you know, say this is somebody who comes in, start of March, starts playing in May, June, gives them 12, 14 games down the stretch um, when they're, uh, you know, maybe hoping to make an open cup run and need to spell some people or whatever. I think that this is a roster clear move for maybe one, maybe two people coming in, still maybe leaving some flexibility uh, if they just bring in one. But it, it, this has all the earmarks to me of a roster space clearing move. And yeah, it's which is exactly why I asked that question because that's it kind of had that same thought to me too. Because again, I didn't think Joya played badly enough. To, I thought he played well enough to not be the one of the first candidates out the door. Um, so the to me the idea is that they're moving a midfielder. They need they're probably bringing in a midfielder because they don't have that's the only spot they don't have multiple backups for each spot essentially at this point unless you count somebody like Zusi moving in there. Um, the uh, you know you have Benny and Jimmy essentially at attacking mid. I know there's others who can slide in there. You know Peter's like oh yeah there's 14 guys who can play that spot, but reality is there's really a couple. Um, yeah. The D mid spot you have most of our in Sanchez, but with Naga gone, uh, no Joya, who's Roger Espinosa's backup at this point? Mustavar. Um, Mustavar could be a box to box guy. I, I don't know if his, I don't know how good his distribution is. One of the things you saw with with Roger last year, he got a whole lot. He he kept improving in how he distributed the ball. Um, he wasn't mm-hmm. going to go for the. Pro- long through ball, but he was going to make that smart pass out of traffic. He was going to shake guys in traffic and, and find the right guy. 
Um, now, if Mustafar can make that kind of his next skill set, then he could be a guy who, who steps in uh, and, and plays in that box-to-box role if he loses that demon spot. Um, so maybe they're looking for the box box guy. Maybe they're looking for uh, a guy who can be a kind of a backup player. Think about playmakers, though. Playmakers who are who are good don't typically tend to be backups because somebody's going to pay them playmaker money um, to be the guy at that at that club. So that's the hardest spot I think to find a backup for is your playmaker because one. Oh, no like doubt. I said, if, if you're if you're a playmaker, you're not going to uh, you're not going to be making backup money. You're going to be doing that full time. Two is playmaking is all about knowing the guys around you, what their tendencies are, what their where they run to when they run into space, and you can't do that playing. Again, I, that's a twelve or fourteen. I'm going to pull that number out of my out of my hat, and you can't do that playing that that few matches per year. So that's the hardest spot on the team to back up. Second hardest, I think, is D mid. Uh, is the is the second hardest to to back up. But uh, beyond that, uh, I think they're, they're they're looking for help in the midfield. I think they're probably looking for another box to box guy. Um, and that's why when they they made the moves they did. Yeah, I have not heard any rumors out there. Have you? No, I've. But you know, a lot of times you don't always hear the rumors. Um, we, no, but more and more we do. More and more we do. I mean, that's just uh, the nature of the beast. Um, especially you know, you, so it's a global media global media market. So, a whole lot more sources for rumors. Um, Maybe some of it's alternative facts, um, but um, the they still have have had the ability to pull off a deal that they didn't really talk about, and that nobody really talked about because they they kept it the back channel enough, um, or maybe they're just you know leaving that clearing a spot and clearing salary uh, for a midsummer acquisition. You know that that could be something else. Well, we're not going to pay anybody at the first start of the year. That's going to free up some extra money if we need it uh, in July. You know, it's it's a tactical decision, strategic decision. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go with one or two fewer guys in the roster, and and because we don't think we need uh, them, and we're gonna save the money we would have been paying them, and banking it toward the summer. So it could be that as well. It's it's, it's a roster clearing move either way to me. All right, next thing on the agenda, we uh, we've. We've mentioned Swope Park Rangers multiple times, and I know you've been out there as a little bit more of a fan aspect for you, that way you get to go root for yeah. the team, right? It's um, kind of fun. Yeah. You shut off the analytic part and just go cheer. <laughs> uh, you never shut off the analytic part. Don't lie to me. Um, no. Not completely. Not completely. The, uh, no. How how they look so far? How they look so far this year? Uh, I think they've got a lot of potential to, to to be really good this year, especially, you know, we haven't seen uh, Kevin Oliveira come back yet. You know, we, we haven't seen get all the way back yet from injury. Um, the, I think they've got a, a lot of potential. Uh, you know, they did lose some, some pretty <clears throat> key players from last year, but they got a lot of guys back. The one thing that uh, that I noticed is they got to figure out how to find that guy on the left wing when he's out there isolated. Um, the first <laughs> couple of matches, you know, you see people, you see a guy out there, and he's there's nobody within ten yards of him, and he's not sniffing the ball. Uh, they still got to get that linked up. 
uh, to where they're they're attacking uh, the flanks more, especially the left flank more, because they're they they've got good moves, they've got good speed, and if you if they can get behind a back line, I think they can wreck things. I think they just need to make sure that they're utilizing all of the uh, available avenues they have to to do that. I, I think again that's part of just gelling as a team. Uh, it's gonna be a little bit, you know. Maybe I don't want to say different. Uh, they got a new coach uh, who uh, is, you know, I think Nikola. We he had he started under uh, under Mark last year. One of the things with, with Marco Santos is uh, he kind of chafed a little bit. I think at, at having to put somebody else's stamp on a team instead of of his own, uh, especially for a guy who wants to be Canada's national coach. Uh, someday he wants to, to to get teams to put his stamp on him and instill his style of play. I think this year uh, you're not maybe going to see that so much uh, early in the season. I think they'll be they'll be playing pretty much Sporting's model the whole year, uh, looking for guys who that they can that they can develop and bring into the senior side because they're treating that uh, they're treating that USL side the way that 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 system was intended, which is Yes, they'd love to win games, but they want to develop players. You know, if they win games, that's gravy. But the main thing is developing guys who play the way that Sporting want to play. Um, I think they've got a good nucleus uh, of guys. I think they're going to be um, a lot of fun to, to watch. Uh, you know, even playing the high pressing game and, and spraying the ball around the pitch uh, and looking for those those mismatches in the in the area. Uh, Going to be fun to watch. Should should have a good year. Um, and you know, you hope that they'll uh, you'll be able to, to bring some more guys along and and get them ready for that senior side. I think they're guys who are are pretty close on that on that uh, that bubble. Um, you know, some guys who've dealt with injuries, some guys who are dealing with the fact that they're international players in a uh, in a league that doesn't say consider Canadians domestics. Um, well, MLS, not uh, not so much USL, but um, guys who are first, one reason or another, are just that close to making the, the senior team. I think you'll see guys improve this year, get ready to make that step. And I think they're also going to win quite a few games. I think they're going to be really, really solid um, in the attack. And I think they're going to be pretty good at, at getting back to defend as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you would not want a uh, sporting minor league team not to be that kind of team that gets back and defends pretty well. Um, that would absolutely drive Vermees crazy. Uh, the one thing I noticed is the, the two games they've had so far preseason, they've won both of them 5-0 against uh, colleges, UMKC and the uh, University of Tulsa. And, you know, yeah, they were college teams, but you have to go out and still play the game. You have to go out and put the goal, the ball in the net. You have to, you know, do all the right things because college teams not going to – they may not technically have as much skill. But in this case, they actually probably were older on average than uh, a lot of the than the Rangers teams that were out there half the time uh, just because there's so many academy kids on those, those rosters that were out there um, looking at – the second group that was out there for Swope this last weekend, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players that are still 
on the academy and one who's signed with uh, Swope but technically could still play for the academy, I believe, in certain competitions. And that was just in the right. second group. In the first group, you had uh, Selbel, who's second year out of the academy, so he's still pretty young. But uh, Felipe, Her- uh, Felipe Hernandez, uh, Juan Cazane, Juan Camel, I'm not sure how you say that, so I, pr- I apologize, uh, and Will Little, uh, who just came out of the academy, you know, signed his first pro contract this year. Well, he was he was in the second group too. He played the whole game. Um, so that's that's a lot of youth. That's a lot of 18 year old kids, you know, and playing the colleges, which they're you know they're probably average age is 21, a little more time. And some of those guys came out of academies also. So I think they did pretty good actually. Things I think that, that well, the main thing that differentiates the the guys from the Rangers from the guys at the colleges, uh, the same thing that if you're, if you're looking at. Uh, American football, the difference between uh, the the bowl series and the and the championship series is speed. Um, the you, you get the fast kids, the fast kids tend to get to get into the into the pro ranks earlier. Uh, maybe the more the the, the less the, the guys with less speed, but maybe a more uh, analytical approach to the game. They've been come along and develop a little later. I'm stereotyping here, but I think that's kind of the the, the thing there. So you, you saw a speed advantage, definite speed advantage. Uh, and you also saw, which, which is you like to see, is this absolute lack of let-up. I mean, when it's 4-0 and the second group is in, they're still pressing for goals, which is what you want as a manager. You don't want somebody who's going to back off because you're, you're wiping the floor with the other team. That does not produce any kind of good habits at all. Uh, you know, if you're going to kill out a, a game or well, kill out a game or mean something you're actually you're not killing out against an overmatched team you're killing out against a team that, that's, that's a threat to, to come back and tie so you learn the right way to kill it out i mean there's no right way to kill out a game against a team that you're beating for now you just go out there and keep spraying at the goal and then keep driving and trying to look for mismatches try to score and they did that uh, that's good instinct you you want a, a player to be hungry for more goals more goals more goals more goals and I think this bunch is really if – if they get another team down this year, they're going to uh, be all over them trying to make them even farther down. Yeah. And, yeah, they scored their fifth goal in the 91st minute when uh, Louis Bennett stepped up and took that shot from just outside the box. Yeah. Um, now, some of these academy kids have really impressed me. I mean, they, they're not – you know, some of them um, are just – they're still seniors in high school. They're still playing for the academy, but they'll have academy contracts if they play for Swope in the regular season. Uh, you know, they're, a lot of those guys are committed to colleges themselves. In fact, I think one of the guys playing against Tulsa this last weekend is scheduled to go to Tulsa. Um, so that should be interesting for them. Um, so, sorry, what was that? I said he'll be one of the better players on the team then when he goes down there. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, it's, I, it's, it's really good. If you're a sporting fan, it's good to see that the academy turn out that kind of player. Uh, they're, they're making that transition. Well, they're still in the academy. They're, they're learning that USL transition. That transition, they're learning how a professional team, you know, even a second division team does things. Uh, and because the, they're modeling that the way that second team practices on uh, sporting practices, they're really learning how an MLS team does things while they're still in high school. And that is invaluable experience for any kid. 
who wants to make that game, uh, you know, his life or his vocation. Yeah. Now, speaking of the uh, the guys who uh, were injured for Swope Park, uh, Kevin Oliveira, who blew out his knee last year and is getting close, I think, to actual real practice. I mean, he's running and doing, uh, you know, different uh, rehab stuff that I've seen him lately. But it looks like he may uh, be close to being able to practice again. Uh, but you had two guys who they signed in the offseason, uh, Musa and uh, Lubo Moleto. And I'm, I know I'm not saying uh, that name right. Um, but those guys were both hurt, if I understood correctly. So you had three potential starters. Uh, three, all three of them started in USL teams last year, sitting on the bench watching, and they were still able to play that well with, uh, you know, makeshift lineups and academy kids. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it'll take mm. some. You know, get, when guys come back. It'll take some doing to integrate them back, but it'll be good to see them come back again for their development because those are guys that they'd really like to see take that next step to the senior side, especially. You know, you talk about. Uh, Playmakers, well, you, you've got guys out there who have that kind of in that pipeline right now who kind of have that capability. So you want to get them back healthy and get them doing things the way you do them. And so, you know, something does happen, you want to move them up, you got them there. Yeah, the the two academy kids that signed this year prior, you know, prior to the season, uh, Felipe Hernandez and Will Little, uh, Will played with them. They both had uh, academy contracts with them last year, and Will played some with them. Uh, Felipe never got a chance to, if I remember correctly. Um, but just watching him, he's he's got the ability to slide some nice passes through the midfield. Uh, Hernandez does, and Little's more of an outside player. I'm just very impressed with both of those guys. That uh, that I think they have some definite potential, you know, in a couple years to be challenging to go up. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, 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 I'm with you on that. It's going to be fun to watch them develop um, into players that I can't cheer for anymore because of professional attachment. <laughs> and then there's probably at least four of the guys who are, uh, uh, you know, still pure academy players, haven't signed with uh, Swope, you know, that are scheduled to go off to college that, quite honestly, impressed the heck out of me. So I, there's – Several of those guys, I really do think, have a chance. To, I mean, we could be looking at a bumper crop of, you know, out of the academy players coming into sporting in the next few years. Well, and you have to do that in a market like this because you you've got to develop your academy if you are in a market like Kansas City. Um, and if you and everybody is, I, I can't keep going back back to this, but you've got the, one of the strongest teams in the league has the strongest academy in the league. Everybody has got to up their academy game. And I think sporting uh, are doing that. Um, FC Dallas is still the, the class of the academy system. Um, but I think the, the sporting are, are, are coming up, uh, which they have to do. They have to do that. And the, uh, and the other thing is, is with, uh, if St. Louis does get, a, get an MLS team, that's going to, affect uh, Sporting's Academy. Um, you know, if, if they ever put an MLS team in Oklahoma, that's going to affect Sporting's Academy. Um, so the, the key is to, to develop it as much as you can now. So if you have to adapt later, uh, 
you're in a position, you know, you, yeah, you lose some territory, but you still got that network built up within your core territory to pick out and identify the, the kids that can really help you. The thing that they've done better than uh, actually building up in their own territory is, is getting outside of their territory into the free zones where nobody has uh, homegrown claims on those, those states, um, yeah. you know, getting into Tennessee, getting into Carolina, uh, Iowa. Um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I can... What's that? Since uh, Minnesota's in? Or I don't know what Minnesota's going to have. I have not seen anything on what Minnesota will have as a homegrown territory. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see because uh, there's going to be some overlap between Minnesota and Iowa now. I mean, between Minnesota and Kansas City for Iowa because that's, uh, that's the state between the two. So... Uh, We'll see, we'll see what happens, too, with uh, John Pascarella being at, at Des Moines in terms of the way he want, might want to look for some of his promising players and try to funnel them uh, coming through that PDL. I mean, there's still players who come out of that that, uh, that system that, that can contribute in uh, in MLS as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That may be a whole new uh, topic at some point once they get their season rolling. And then if uh, if St. Louis does come in, Sporting's really not done anything about getting. I mean, they've put affiliate in St. Louis, but the player, all the good players are still going up through Scott Gallagher. The better players yeah. are going up through Scott Gallagher, and none of those have been coming to Sporting. Sporting's trying to uh, play the game and you manipulate the rules in order to get one of those players, but uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen or not. Um, and maybe that's why they moved a couple of players today. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it. Cause they yeah, have, uh, I, I also, there's also like new roster rules out there that they have not published. Um, the, like last year, the roster was up to 28 players, right? But now it's actually up to 30 or 31. But the yeah. last two or three spots is homegrown players only. And yeah. I asked the question so, if that had to be new homegrown players or if that could be existing homegrown players. And the answer was, I think it's, uh, you'll have to wait till the rule comes out. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, yeah. The, the, the league still does have some kind of, some arcane rule structure. Um, I think, I think though, and this again, maybe a topic for another, another podcast, the, the fact they're even, uh, publicizing the amount that for which players are trading the the, the TAM and the, and the GAM, the targeted and general allocation money, is a uh, this is step in the right direction. Uh, the more transparency, the better. The, the, the less arcane the rules, the better. Uh, I think the league is heading in that direction. I mean, the single entity structure is always going to make for some different situations, but I think it's in, in terms of, of transparency, in terms of ease of understanding things, you're headed in the right direction, but again, that's probably a, a long topic for another uh, another podcast. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the fact that, like you said, they're announcing TAM and JAM or GAM. Uh, they're announcing, you know, Sporting's announcing, you know, the actual length of contracts. Yeah. Uh, you know, we signed a player for one year with three option years. Hey, you would never say yeah. that before. Yeah, it's, it's four years. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it, it, it's it's a it's an encouraging sign. Um, let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I'm very happy with that. Um, you know, we 
Heck, we started new spreadsheets just to keep track of players now because you can. Uh, yeah. yeah. So no, that's that's all good. Uh, but I was just saying with the you know having those other two roster spots, you know maybe they were chasing that one of those uh, players from another spot that uh, they could sign as a homegrown player. Uh, but what what Sporting has done really well is not within their own territory. It's actually getting guys from outside of those territories in the open territories. Yes, they've yeah. done well within their territory by continuing to strengthen the, the Kansas City players and stuff like that. But, you know, when they pull in a guy from Iowa, from Oklahoma, from, you know, two or three from Tennessee, from Carolina, uh, and you can see that some of those guys are the ones who are – some of the better players, not all of the better players, but some of the better players, you know, that's a sign that they're doing good at finding and maximizing every opportunity they can. Yeah. I like, I still would like to see them uh, get that team in place in Southwest Kansas and start mining that area too, because that's, that's my old home stomping grounds. That, that, that would, that'd be a, a really fertile ground for players, I think. And that's, again, probably another a topic for another day. Cause I think we're, we've, we've already gone over our hour, have we? We kind of got got on a roll. Yeah, but yeah, I technically scheduled it for ninety minutes because we do so often miss our sixty. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I cheated a little bit because uh, in the past, if anybody was listening live, they would get cut off at the sixty. The po- the the post uh, podcast you listen to it would show the whole would play the whole thing. But uh, um, gotcha. so yeah, I cheated a little bit when I set them up now. Wow! Well, all right, that's the. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is uh, yeah. As I say, this this podcast is probably you know again we haven't done it for a while, so we're a little rusty on you know how we've been doing things, but uh, we'll try Wait, to transition. you know. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not ninety minutes late yet. Yeah, that's for damn sure. <laughs> um, all right. Any other topics we should bring up here real quick before we cut it off? <sighs> No, I think uh, I am interested to see how Shalawi uh, uh, does after coming back from from Hungary. Um, you know, if he's going to how he's going to fit into the into the team, how soon he's going to fit uh, coming back. Uh, you know, if he's going to become a guy who's a threat from distance, he still has a a cannon for a leg. Um, so the, the the forward core, uh, something to, to watch. I think that's something that's going to kind of shake out early in the season. We'll have a little more information about it in a week or so to kind of know how that picture is showing up. It's kind of a wild card right now. So I think we'll, we ought to come back to that and look at it in a week or so or a couple of weeks and see how the, uh, the forward core is shaping up. But other than that, I think we've, uh, we've covered a lot tonight. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, for people who don't know us real well, we both you and I like to get down to, to practice and, watch them kick it around and watch them how they play and watch who's, you know, laying off passes to each other well and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can kind of get our own judgment on who's the, you know, who's the real depth and what order and, and things like that. I mean, obviously the Mies will have, you know, potentially different uh, decisions than we do in that, but um, we both like to get down there and we'll have a lot more, we'll have a lot more understanding of what's what, in probably a week to two weeks with them being back in town now because this is one of those where they didn't have any good practices uh, for us to watch this year until tomorrow, this week. Right. 
So yeah, there's there's that, and we'll uh, we'll come back and look at that and and see who gets loaned down to uh, to Rangers. So that there's there'll be a round of loans uh, to Rangers and to other to other people. So we'll we'll see how that all shakes out, and and then we'll I think we'll have a lot better picture of the attacking core in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Steve. Uh, and for those who didn't hear at the beginning, this is this. Uh, the person I've been talking to is Steve Brizendine from MLSsoccer.com, beat writer uh, for sporting and uh, editor for a bunch of the other ones now, I believe, if that's correct. Well, um, I do, I do and this, some uh, national editing and commentary and stuff like that, so occasionally you'll catch me rambling about something entirely unrelated to sporting on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, so it's fun. It's fun. I've, I've got you rambling about a lot of things, Steve. Um, uh, and anyway, yeah. I appreciate you coming on oh, and, uh, good night, everybody. This is, I'm Thad Bell from the blue Testament.com. Uh, come back and listen. We will promise to be a little more regular with these going forward and let me know, uh, what you would like to hear or what you wouldn't like to hear. And we will see what we can do about it. Thanks. All right. Good night. Steve. Good night. Good night. You know we're gonna feel alright